everyone, and welcome back to another episode of N Express Nintendo Podcast, the official Nintendo podcast of GoombaStomp.com. I'm your host, Cameron Daxon. Joining us, we have games editor Mark Kalaroff. Cameron, have you ever wanted to pet a Loftwing? I have, actually, after playing this part of this game. They look very soft and fluffy. Uh, <laughs> with us, we also have indie games editor Campbell Gill. My life's purpose is to pet Loftwings 24-7. A noble goal. Of course, if you pre-order the... Uh, Skyward Sword Amiibo, the Zelda Loftwing Amiibo, you will not be able to pet that Loftwing for some time due to some kind of COVID delays. So I apologize to anyone out there listening who is waiting on those Amiibos still. But also, uh, I'm jealous of your Amiibo pre-order. So, you know, if, if you want to cancel it and let it go to me, that's fine too. So we are, of course, referring to the, the release of Zelda Skyward Sword HD the re-release slash remake slash remaster of this game for Switch. I think it's safe to call it a remake because they overhaul the controls completely. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say it's not entirely like a remake in the traditional sense, but it does remaster and rework a lot of the core content of the game. I'm yeah, sticking to I, remaster. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, Skyward Sword HD, which just came out on the Nintendo Switch last week. So uh, Campbell has been playing it. He's going to write a review for Goomba Stomp. Uh, I've been playing it a little bit on my own time. And Mark, you have not played it at all, or you played it on Wii? No, I do own the Wii one, though. But I haven't played it on Switch. Got it. But I, I'm sorry. But have you have you played it on Wii was my question. Oh, yes, yes. I have a okay. horrible experience with it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I, we're definitely gonna we're definitely gonna get into that. Uh, so you haven't played the Switch version, but you have played the Wii version. Campbell, you played the Wii version when it came out. Yes, I played through it on the Wii four times through. Oh wow. Okay. So you're like you're like the the Skyward Sword super fan. Okay. Yes, I think it, it's safe to say that I'm the super loft wing petter at this point. <laughs> He's he he has pet the most loft wings out of probably anybody on the planet. Uh, I have no history with this game on Wii. I. I I live with a guy who had a Wii, and we played a ton of Super Smash Brothers on it. But I never played any of like the Wii exclusives. I never played Skyward Sword or you know, you know Red Steel, any of those super famous Wii games. Um, so I kind of missed out on this one. But I have been playing it a little bit. Just the first couple, the the, the intro, basically the first dungeon. I'm that's, that's about where I'm at with this game. What do you think is the best productive way to start this conversation? Do we want to kind of litigate the history of this game? Do we want to kind of talk about our personal experiences with it? How do you guys want to start this off? I'll give a personal experience. Please, The motion please. controls on Wii just didn't work for me, and that yeah. kept me from playing it. But, but the music for this game is a banger. I will say that. <laughs> Top tier. Soundtrack, Top tier music. Yeah, soundtrack's yeah. phenomenal. Character design's yeah. phenomenal. Uh, I just never got to enjoy it on Wii. I do want to pick it up in the future on Switch. So I'm yeah. not like against this game or anything like that. Because I know it's a really good game. But just the first experience I had was all over the place. Right. I think I think it's safe to say that if you can't play the game, if you physically are unable to like do any of the actions of the game, that, that's, a, that's a notch against it, I think. So, so or if far, the controller just doesn't work. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Well, who knows? I mean, like, like obviously... Obviously, since this game came out on the on the Wii, there has been discourse about: Are the motion controls bad? Are they revolutionary? Are they good for what they are? Like, it's kind of it's always had that hanging around its neck. I, I I'm withholding judgment, Campbell. What do you, what do you think about the motion controls in general? And I guess what I guess we'll start with you since you're the guy who's played it the most. What do you think about the motion controls in general? Do you have any any thoughts on how they compare from the Wii to the Switch version? 
So I guess I'm a bit of an outlier in that sense, because on the one hand, I can understand why people were frustrated and why people could have issues with the motion controls, but I never really got frustrated with it. I never had too many issues with them, barring a few cases where, you know, you just have to reset your cursor so it's in the center of the screen, right? Mm -hmm. For the most Mm -hmm. part, barring some cases where the motion controls might have been gimmicky, you know, there's no reason why you have to use the motion controls just to select a save slot or to select a Mm -hmm. dialogue option. But for the most part, I found the the combat, the way you use the items, I didn't have a problem with the motion controls in that sense. But I do appreciate how the new version of the game, Skyward Sword HD, does include button controls and allows players to have that kind of versatility to pick the control schemes that they like. And I will say that there was so much of the game that I loved beyond the the control scheme, beyond the motion controls. Um, So I really appreciate the fact that there's... I'm sorry, my family just started yelling outside and I lost my complete pro- train of they're thought. Pro- they're probably <laughs> yelling about how amazing Skyward Sword is. Probably, yeah. And that's always been me. I've always really enjoyed the game. I've loved the story, the world that it built. And I think that in this version of it, that the motion controls are well-preserved, that it's good that they have the new button, button options with it. So mm. I appreciate the fact that this does provide versatility with it. Yeah, I, well, I think that's the, the benefit of remaking or remastering a game like this is like, well, more options, like more people get to play it on a more popular console. Well, not a more popular console. I think the Wii is still, still, I think the Wii is still more popular than the Switch. Is that correct? Just barely. Just barely. Like, like who knows what will happen in about a year or two, but who knows you know, what's going to happen more... in a month or two. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, they have a, I mean, we've, we've talked about it many times. The Switch has a hell of a lineup coming into the holidays. It's only going to spur more sales, but having more versatility, being able to play it on a different console, being able to play it with different controls, obviously that's going to go a long way towards giving this game an entire new audience. And there's people like me who who skipped this game on the Wii, who have always been like, had an interest in it. Like, of course I watched the, the infamous Game Grumps stream of this game, but I, I finally am, am playing it for myself for the, for the very first time, so I'm kind of forming my own thoughts and opinions. So far... Uh, so far, I'm playing with a mix of the motion controls and the button controls. I play a little bit on handheld, a little bit on the big screen. And I got to say, these motion controls are rough, my friends. I, I, In my opinion, I'm having trouble <laughs> even taking out, like, basic enemies, like Bokoblins and the little, like, Deku plant guys that, that come up out of the ground and try to bite you. Uh, I'm, I'm doing my best to try to, to try to swing the sword in the appropriate direction. You can't see because it's a podcast, but I'm like waving my arm uh, as if I was flicking the, the Switch Joy-Con. And I'm having a rough time. Uh, Campbell, how are you finding it? Are you, are you able to execute every time what you want to do, or, or how's it going for you? That's so interesting to hear because... I honestly think that the motion controls are better this time around than they were Mm. back on the Wii. I think that they are a little looser than you had in the Wii version because you don't have the Wii Motion Plus in your controller adding that additional level of precision with it. But I still find that the motion controls, they hold up fine enough in my experience. I haven't had much trouble in terms of, you know, precisely hitting the Bacoblins where you're supposed to hit them so that way, you know, they're not blocking or anything of that sort. But I will say that for this version of the game, I've been playing like 90% of it with the button controls because that's the newest oh. edition and that's how I wanted to experience it this time around. And, you know, alternating between the different control schemes, I gotta say, I think I do prefer, for the most part, the button controls now because okay. 
you don't have to fiddle around with it that much. You don't have to worry about adjusting your cursor or anything of that sort. You can just get into the flow of it and play it like any other game to a certain extent at the very least. Right. I think uh, I think that's the... It's tricky because something that's... And we'll, we'll get to, like, <laughs> for all the people who are like, stop talking about the controls. Like, we'll get to the the, the, the meat of this Zelda game in a minute. But I think it's important to, to talk about the, the major overhaul that they made for this version. I think one of the things that's really interesting about the button controls is it takes away the free-to-control camera. So if you want to play this game with button controls on your pro controller or in handheld mode, it's it's much harder to like rotate the camera around Link because you lose that right thumbstick. Well, not uh, entirely. You can still move the camera freely just so long as you hold the bumper. Right. It's what I'm saying. It's it's like it's not as easy to control is what I'm saying. It's like one extra step, you know. I it's, suppose. Instead so, of yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. That's that's my opinion. Uh, to me, it's like the more hurdles you put in the way it's like it's it's just one more thing to like oh, okay i have to i have to like think about this and you're already thinking about like it's it's controlling so much differently from any other zelda game before it that like listen i'm an old dog it's really hard for me to learn new tricks and throwing even one additional thing in when i'm already trying to wrap my head around okay so up on the thumbstick is a is a vertical slash and diagonally is the diagonal slash like <laughs> combining that <laughs> With holding the bumper to move the camera, I mean, what what are we even doing here? It's uh, it's tough for me to wrap my mind around, but I, I might be the outlier in that situation. I don't know. I mean, on the one hand, I can I can definitely understand your frustration in that sense, but it only took me, at least personally speaking from my own experience, it only took me a few seconds to realize, okay, mm. you just hold the left bumper, and then that's when you can use the right stick to move the camera. There you go. That's all you need to do. So yes, the controls are very unconventional, but any modern game standards, right? You know, there yeah. aren't any other action games where you have to use the right control stick to move your sword or anything like that. But I don't know. I found that it only took me a little bit of time to adjust. And then when I did get into the the meat of the game, going into the dungeons, getting into the boss battles and the more complicated uh, battle scenarios, I found that the controls added a, I almost want to call it like a frenetic energy to it that you don't really have with many other action games because you are more manually moving the sword around and you have to strategize a bit more like okay i have to angle my attacks this way so that way i can get them where they're not blocking right so i definitely see how it can be a bit difficult to adjust to it but i find that it does the best that it can to adjust the already unorthodox way that you have to play the game to a more traditional gamepad setup which in turn helps complement the scenarios are already in the game. Right. Well, and that's the thing, is that I'm not taking away anything from the from the work that Nintendo has done to to implement this crazy control, uh, basically remake a really interesting control scheme. I think it's fascinating. I, I'm a little mixed on it because you know what works every time? Swing a sword is pressing a button. <laughs> Like, but then you can't you know, angle that sword swing. But then though. you can't angle it. No, listen, I agree <laughs> with you. So that, that's the thing. It's like I get that they are they are Nintendo is doing a thing. They have made a choice. Like, no, we are choosing to do this. And it's like either you get with it or you play a different Zelda game. Right. Which I mean, is awesome. They really just back themselves into a corner with this one because I can't really think of any other way for them to redo this control scheme without rebuilding the entire game. Yeah. Which and hey, like and and to their credit. They didn't have to do that. 
They could have said, sorry, this game is only playable with a with the Joy-Cons detached, like your SOL if you got a Switch Lite. But they didn't. They decided, like, you know what? No, we're gonna give players we're gonna give players the options to do to do it more than one way. So it's like they didn't have to do that. So we gotta give them props for for making the effort to completely remake the control scheme. It is incredibly fascinating. I wonder if they will carry it forward to other games, whether Zelda or not. Like, I wonder if other developers will see this system and be like, ooh, this is kind of cool for a different, for you know, for our sword game or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'll say that having played Mario Galaxy on Switch previously, I'm not really too bothered by the compromises that have to be made to get these Wii games running on more conventional control schemes. You know, with Mario Galaxy, you couldn't even control the camera freely, right? You could only press a bumper to just move it to one of the the predefined angles for each level. So the fact that they even found a way to make the camera freely movable at all, even if you have to hold the bumper to do so... I still appreciate the fact that they got that to work. So hopefully this, like you say, this does uh, this does lead to other Wii games in the future getting this kind of treatment to translate them over. I really yeah. wish this game had a yeah. demo. Oh, sure. You know? uh, uh, yeah. Because well, it was like when I played, I reviewed for the site 3D All-Stars, and I have to say, Campbell, because I'm on the complete opposite spectrum with using motion controls for galaxy i actually i'm pretty sure in the review i said that motion controls was not the way to play and to play galaxy you should play it with handheld mode to use the touch screen hmm right it's interesting i i i kind of i kind of galaxy is such an odd an odd case because for me i i don't like using the touch controls for for galaxy i, I like being able to 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 feel the the most that, that is one of the ones I played originally on Wii, so it's mm-hmm. like for me it's that's that's how you do it is you have to play it with the with the the motion controls. I uh, yeah I didn't I didn't much care for the the touchscreen aspect of of Mario Galaxy in the 3D All Stars uh, Switch version of the game. Mm-hmm. So I don't know it's I guess I don't know <laughs> different different strokes for different folks I guess I it's it's I it, people will find the way to play this game that they want to play it. And I think that's actually very good, because it is a very interesting Zelda game, just in its own right. Like the world is really unique, the 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 world building, the way Link and Zelda's relationship is introduced, the the actual story of this game. It's so unlike any other Zelda. I think that's that's worth experiencing. And so if it, if it takes people to, if it make if it if it takes people playing this game, in a new way to to like actually get eyes on it, then I think that's awesome. You know? Those are my thoughts exactly. And I'll go a step further and say that it's not just unlike any other story in the Zelda series. It is the single best story Ooh. in the Zelda franchise. And that's for a few reasons. Not only is it because of the characterization of Link and Zelda, this is also, on top of that, the best relationship that they've had in this series as well. I think it was great in games like Wind Waker and also in Breath of the Wild, but no other game has the same depth and just rapport that Link and Zelda have this time around, but it's not just them. It's every other character in Skyloft and on the surface. Every character has their own story, their own yeah. side quest that you get shout to experience. Outs to, shout outs to Groose. Exactly. Who... To Groose, to even Beetle. Like, I love how they handle Beetle <laughs> in this game because you yeah. can go into his flying house, he yells at you for making it so heavy because you're in his house, but then you sleep in his bed, he takes you to his little island, and then he talks like this refined English gentleman when he's not when he's just not on the on the clock. So it's so cool that they 
they put so much care into the world building for each individual character. This game might not have as many towns, as many locales as other Zelda games do, but I think it makes the most out of what it has. And that, that extends to the entire world building. The setup is so, so cool and such a great way to explain the mythology of the Zelda series, the lore. And if you play the game all the way through, try out all the different um, side quests and side content that they have in there, you will find some very fascinating bits of lore that explain how the Zelda, the Zelda mythos works. So in terms so, of that okay, world building, a, yeah? Let me, inter- let, me, let me interrupt you for a second, Campbell. Mm-hmm. So, Zelda lore, Zelda mythos. What are well, how do we how do we feel about this in in general? Like, what's 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 your take on this? Do you do you like that Nintendo is like here's the encyclopedia, here's how all the games are connected? Or oh, is, I think or it's absolutely all... stupid. I mean, there's no getting around <laughs> the fact that this is something that they shoehorned onto games that were built independently without any sort of overarching story in mind. They just shoehorned this onto it to be like, okay, this is how they're made. There's three branching timelines. Why are there three branching timelines? Don't care. Goodbye. But even then, if you take Skyward Sword on its own, you'll find that it it explains a lot of why the Zelda series works the way it does. Why Ganondorf always returns. Why the Triforce is such a big deal. Why Zelda is always getting captured. Mm. So it does provide a setup for it, even if it's not, say... A setup in terms of a linear narrative that explains the events of the next game it still provides some context for that mm-hmm. that's awesome yeah I, question I, I would agree with you do you think they release this game because it'll connect to breath of the wild 2 i will say i think it is at the very least a great game to have alongside breath of the wild because going by nintendo's lovely official chronology skyward sword is the first game in the Zelda timeline, and Breath of the Wild is the last. So in this, mm. you have the beginning and the end. And I think that with the mere fact that the Breath of the Wild 2 trailer opened with Link falling out of the sky in almost the exact same pose that Link does so in Skyward Sword, suggests that there will be some parallels along with it. Whether it directly connects lore-wise, whether Fee is going to show up in Breath of the Wild 2, that remains to be seen. Oh my gosh, what if V shows up? That would be crazy. And what if she's just telling you that your Wii batteries, or I guess your Switch Joy-Con batteries, are running low 24-7? Oh my god. I, I, we can only hope. So yeah, Mark, to go with you, I, I, would, I would be unsurprised if there was some direct connections between this game and Breath of the Wild 2. Uh, as we talked about in our, in our E3 episode, um, I can't remember, Mark, if it was you or Rick who pointed out that like even the shots of Link falling down look exactly the same as it does when he jumps from Skyloft to the surface world. It was probably um, Rick. It was yeah. probably, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll give uh, props to Rick for that. But it, uh, it wouldn't shock me if, if they made some more direct connections. And I, one thing that's stuck out to me in my, again, I've only, I've only up until, I'm only up to the Forest Temple in, in Skyward Sword HD so far, that's, which is only the very first temple. I'm barely scratched the surface of this game. But even in my brief time with it so far, I've noticed that there are so many things in this game that carried over to Breath of the Wild. And it's very much like, okay, you can see the stuff that we're experimenting with uh, before they finalized it in, in Breath of the Wild. Obviously, the stamina system, stuff mm-hmm. like breakable paraglider. shields. Paraglider. Although, I will say, the paraglider in Skyward Sword is just bad. It's bad. 
I mean, um, yeah, it's not even supposed to be used for transportation or anything. It's just supposed to break your fall. So yeah. it's very limited and barely taps into the potential, which it, they it, then did I, in Breath of the Wild. So There you go. I keep jumping off of cliffs, trying to glide slowly, like, across the gap. I can't. I can fall straight down. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a disaster every time. Um, now, I wish... What? Yeah. Now, what I'll say, though, is as you've been playing through just the first dungeon, you've barely yeah. scratched the surface of everything that the game has to offer, especially oh, yeah. when it comes to the dungeons, because I will also contest, along with the best story in the series, Skyward Sword has the single best and most consistent set of dungeons as well. I keep hearing this. Yes. I keep hearing this, and it keeps blowing my mind, because to me, okay, obviously you got your 2D Zeldas and you got your 3D Zeldas. To me, the best 3D Zelda dungeon design it's got to be Majora's Mask. Even though there's only four of them, each one is so memorable, so distinct, so complicated, so interesting that you can't help but love them. And Skyward Sword is the same, but there's seven this time instead right. of four. So really, you once you get past the first forest temple, which is great in its own way, it's a bit generic by the standards right, it's of like, the game. It's like the, tra- it's like the training it's temple. It's a training temple, exactly. Yeah. But once you get through that, you have some really just unforgettable and wildly creative dungeons are unlike anything else in the series. I mean, you've probably heard about the Ancient Cistern, which is, in my in my opinion, my absolute favorite uh, dungeon in any Zelda game, bar none, because of how it is so inventive, and it blends these two different realities, essentially, where you have to go between the surface world and this underground world where there's zombies all over the place, and it's and it's ended with this absolutely unforgettable boss fight against the giant Coloctos uh, automata. It's just, and that's just one example. There, each one of these dungeons has its own unique gimmick that's unlike anything else. There's the sand ship. There's the Laneru mining facility where you constantly go back in time into the future and into the past. It really pushes the bounds, and it makes the most of this traditional Zelda formula that's all about but going between the overworld to the dungeons, overworld to the dungeons, and it makes every moment of that just so unforgettable, so distinct. Yeah, it's... I don't know. I I can't wait to put more time into this game, because part of it for me is that it's been so long since I've played a, a traditional Zelda game. Like, I love... I grew up with Zelda. Ocarina of Time was a, a formative experience for me. The 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 second ever super uh, second ever N sixty four game I ever played, I did everything in that game. I hundred percent of that game, which is not a thing that, you know, every twelve year old was was doing at the time. But I, I couldn't I couldn't stop playing that game. So the last Zelda game I played and completed was Breath of the Wild. Or I shouldn't even say completed. Just just played and, and beat beat the story. And it's obviously that's a very different type of Zelda game. It's it's a complete reinvention of the formula. So to, to go back to play, like, a traditional, like, you go to the dungeon, you get the item, you use that item to beat the boss, you do that again, you do that again. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm really looking forward to it. And um, I don't know, I'm, 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 I'm hopeful that the experience is as charming as it is so far. Like, it remains as consistent and charming as it is so far. The it, side character is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, it really talk only about... gets better from here. I can't wait, man. Um, I've already, I cannot wait to meet more of the little... Um, I guess they're like the precursors to Koroks. What do you call them? The ki- Kikui or whatever Yeah, the they are? Kikuis. Yeah, they're adorable. Oh my gosh, I'm obsessed with them. Yeah, they're amazing. And again, not to spoil anything for you, but there are more Kikuis in the future of the game. And they're handled in some really fun ways. Man, they got big fat butts. I love them. I think they're great. And small butts um, as well. Don't forget And small, small butts, butts as well. Listen, all, all, all Kikui butts are beautiful. I think we can all agree. I'll quote you they're, on that. 
<laughs> put put that on the box art. It's like it, it does everything that you would expect from a Zelda game. The, the instantly iconic character design, uh, as Mark mentioned earlier, the the music that's already like again, I'm only one dungeon in, but the music that is already like very evocative, very powerful. The I, I want to go back to something that you mentioned earlier, Campbell, the relationship between Link and Zelda, because I think that really is the heart of this game and one of the most memorable features of this game. Z Zelda actually, <laughs> uh, I say, probably for the first time in the series, barring some of the stuff they do in Breath of the Wild, like Zelda is a character in this game. Um, mm -hmm. I liked her in Link and Wind Waker. Like, I thought she had a lot going on in Wind Waker, which is very cool. But Zelda has, like, a history, a characterization, and, most importantly, a relationship with Link. Mm -hmm. It's so refreshing. And it's, like, and people have talked about this before. Like, I've read commentary about this. I've read other reviews about this game when it came out. It's like, oh, wow, it, it really is as good as they say. It's, like, it's very good, you know? Yeah, it's so touching. And the opening of, the, of this game gets a lot of flack for being so slow, for being filled with tutorials and a really slow start narrative-wise. But what it does accomplish is it fleshes out that relationship between Link and Zelda. And it doesn't just tell you, oh, hey, Link and Zelda are childhood friends. They're really close. Instead, it lets you see that firsthand in the, in the, the dynamic that they have, the conversations they have. So that when she does get caught up in that tornado and you have to go after her, you genuinely want to. It's not because the game is telling you. It's not because Fee or Headmaster Kapora are telling you to do it. You want to save Zelda. She's your friend. And the way that the relationship develops as more of the, the lore and the mythology is revealed throughout the course of the narrative it only gets more compelling. And the way that they portray that, it, it's just absolutely fantastic and without parallel in the series. I mean, Spirit Tracks also had a really cool presentation of Zelda where she was as a ghost and inhabiting knights along with you and stuff. But it doesn't have that same emotional touch that you have with Skyward Sword. Yeah, I'm... Very excited to see, to see where it goes. Uh, Zelda's so cute, so charming. I cannot believe Link didn't kiss her when given the chance. It's it's very upsetting to me. <laughs> they were literally um, gonna man, and then they were gonna do it, and he chickened out because he's a dumb dummy. You know instead, I mean? she had to push him off a cliff. So she had to. <laughs> instead, she killed him. Um, yep. I so will say her introduction yeah. in this game is very good. Like it's even, good. you know, what Campbell was saying, how the game does have a slow start. The one thing I do remember from playing the few hours that I played was uh, when Link walks in on Zelda and she's playing the Ballad of the Goddess song and it's, she's playing, um, is it a harp? Is that yes, what it is? It's, it's, a like, harp. it's yes. like a weird harp. Yeah. 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 It's like a mini harp, a handheld one. <laughs> the Nintendo Switch edition a, of a, the harp. A Nintendo Switch size <laughs> harp. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, and Ballad of the Goddess to continue my theme of calling things in this game the best in the series, but Ballad of the Goddess is one of the best main themes in the series as well. It's so rousing and emotional to go along with, and the way that it's tied to Zelda's character in that early moment is just beautiful. Yeah. And I yeah, will say, it, going off, off on that, now if, on the topic of the story and the characterization, when I first played the game when it released, I had played all the other main Zelda games. I was used to the traditional dynamic of Zelda just being the damsel in distress. You have to yeah. go and go and save her, right? Just for the sake of the kingdom. It's because it's your destiny. And there you go. There you go and do it. But Skyward Sword, what it did was it humanized the Zelda story and it gave it such higher stakes. 
and made it so much more poignant because of that. It's a story unlike anything before it in the series, and I was just so enthralled with it when I was first going through it, from the beginning all the way to the end, and the finale is, is similarly touching. And it, I think it was because of the grand narrative that it spins, largely because of that, that characterization, but also because of the world building and everything you encounter along with it. This game played such a significant factor in making me want to become a writer, and specifically a games oh, writer, wow. because I was so engaged with the, the way that a video game could create a story that, can, that could compel me so much, a world oh. that could thrill me, that I wanted to go and explore and build and experience. And so that's what made me want to start writing my own fantasy stories and then by proxy start writing my own reviews and criticisms of games. So that's what makes this game mean so much to me. And that's why I played through it so much, because it did inspire me to really pursue the life path that I'm on right now. Damn, that's incredible, man. I had no idea. Yeah, it's a kind of thing where it's one of those games where you play, it has an impact on you, but you don't really think about it as much, yeah. right? Like, I started writing after it. Well, I was writing a little bit beforehand, but playing this game really inspired me to just keep going with it. But then as I went on that path, I didn't really think about Skyward Sword that much. But then as I've revisited it to review it for the site, it's all come, come flooding back to me. And I'm remembering the moments where I'm going through the ancient cistern, where I'm fighting against Coloctos, where I'm fighting against these crazy enemies and exploring this beautiful world. I'm remembering how much it made me want to create something just like this, to create a world that wow. could be so engaging with it. And that translated into game reviews and editing. We'll see where the fantasy side of it goes, but it is a game that just really, really impacted me. I think that's great. Yeah. It's, I might be saying something, not not controversial, but I think I feel like I'm saying something that uh, we can all identify with. If you're a Nintendo fan, I think we all have a Zelda game that impacted us in some way or other. Um, mm -hmm. For me, it really was Ocarina of Time. Like I, like getting to the end of that game and beating, you know, and fighting Ganon and Ganondorf was so iconic for me. It really did. I don't know if it changed the course of my life or anything like that, but it really did blow my mind at like, it, it, it's emotional, it's epic, it's exciting, it's mm -hmm. it feels dangerous and scary. It was like, it blew my freaking mind. And uh, Majora's Mask, I had some similar similar feelings, similar emotions associated with, with that game. But I had no idea that Skyward Sword was that game for you, Campbell. I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why it's been such a delight and honestly an emotional experience to yeah, go back can, to playing can, it. Because, yeah. you know, we were just talking about the scene where you meet Zelda for the first time. When I got to that point and she's just slowly singing the Ballad of the Goddess, I honestly teared up. Because wow. it just, that song, her character, it all means so much to me. And then going yeah. through it and then being like, oh man, I remember this really cool scene. I remember this plot point. And then thinking of how my life has changed since the last time that I played the game, I can relate to things differently. I can relate to Link and Zelda's relationship differently than I did when I was 11 and 12, right? Sure, so of course, yeah. There's so much that's just so touching with it. It's a game that's always been near and dear to me, which is why I'm so glad that it's it's on Switch now. It's more accessible than it's ever been. It has all these different quality of life improvements. It's easier for people now to see why this game did hit home for people like me why the story, why the world could be so impactful when you don't have to worry as much about all the tutorials or all the motion controls that were super annoying. When you have that kind of flexibility to experience it better, it makes those, those positive experiences 
shine brighter with less baggage. It's just been yeah. so delightful to come back to it in this version, to, to lay my bed and re-experience re all of these memorable moments. Wow. And it's... And that's the funny thing about talking about um, about talking about video games in general is because, like, obviously this game was was a formative moment for you. Playing this game as a as a young man was a formative moment for you. I think it's safe to say. Mm -hmm. But of course, you also have to talk about like, what do the motion controls feel like, or like, what are the <laughs> button controls like? Like, and that's and that's kind of the the funny dance we have to to dance to. Mm -hmm. What am I trying to say? Like. Obviously, we have to talk about the, the ticky-tacky, the mechanical stuff, you know? Oh, the graphics are better. Oh, this version, you know, remixed the music or, or like, whatever it is, you know what I mean? Exactly. But, but at the same time, you have to factor in, like, but also, it's an emotional experience. <laughs> like, right. Like, like, you, Campbell, have a personal connection to this game that sounds like it changed the course of your entire life. And it's like, how do you not factor that in, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah, that's um, what I've always kind of wrestled with whenever I see the discourse about this game, because pretty much ever since it released, fans have just absolutely piled on it with like, oh my gosh, the controls suck, the linearity is terrible, Fee is so annoying, there's so many things that people complain about, and really, I don't blame people for being really annoyed sure. at Fee always jumping out of your out of your sword and telling you that your batteries are running low and that you have to do this, even though you already know what you need to do. There was a lot of the right. game that was objectively annoying or just difficult to enjoy but the position i've always had is once you get past that once you see the story you see everything that the game does right and as i think i've made clear but over the course of this conversation there is a lot of it that at least to me it does so so very right so right. there's it's it's a difficult dance to to wrestle with those objective issues and that emotional connection that i as a reviewer have with it personally and mm -hmm. what other players would hopefully be able to experience as well. It's my opinion that the improvements made in the Switch version make it easier for players first picking it up to appreciate what the game does right. But again, other players may not have that same experience because, you know, the controls in my view are better, but they're not perfect by any means. Right. Well, I think it's I think it's worth mentioning some of the some of the more tangible material improvements that this HD version does touch on. We talked about Fee. Um, I personally am not finding Fee annoying just yet, but we will see how that goes. And that's because she's optional now for the most part. Yeah. Well, that's a, here's what I'm huge. saying: is I haven't toggled anything yet. Do mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, and I, and I don't know if that's a feature they built into this game. Is that like, hey, she just doesn't pop out as much in general? But I haven't toggled like Fee. Don't help me. I haven't done that yet. I think you I mean, can just, you can toggle it, but by default, it's already way less than it was in the oh, original. Oh, that, that's game. what I'm saying. It's yeah. like so far, I'm like, ah, eh, so far, fee. I'm not finding her that bad. Like, there's been a couple times where I'm like, yeah, I know, like I get it. <laughs> mm -hmm. But um, but it hasn't it has. Yeah, go ahead. Is there? I don't know if this is true. I saw it on social media, but is it true that they removed like some obstacles to make paths quicker to cross that were just like a lot of meandering, like going around trees and stuff? I haven't noticed anything like that, actually, but that may be because they made because those changes. I saw, yeah, because I saw something on Twitter, and it was about how there's one part where you have to go, like, under a hill, and there was a whole conversation about how there were a bunch of trees in the way and how they removed all of them. And now, rather than, like, taking a minute or two to go around these trees, it's like, now you just walk straight, and now you're into the next part of the area. Hmm. I mean, I have noticed that the game does feel, in general, easier to navigate, but that may be 
coming from my own experience, having played it four times through, I, I know a lot of these areas, but like the back of my hand, and I know all the shortcuts that were already built into it. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did that, though, because they've really gone above and beyond in terms of adding quality of life enhancements to the game in such minute ways that you probably wouldn't really, really notice the first time around. And then my other question was, did they add a left-handed mode? Because I know Mario Golf did that. I believe they oh. did. I, I think you the control scheme is pretty flexible from what I can tell. So I haven't really messed around with it too much because the default options work well for me. But I believe you do have the option to, to adjust things as as need be. Yeah, that's it's uh, it's always interesting to see. Because like, obviously Nintendo announced, like, here's all the stuff we're changing. But there's, a, there's probably plenty of quality of life changes that they've kind of folded in quietly without mentioning. They didn't even so mention the movable camera in that quality of life trailer. <laughs> there you go. That's what I'm saying. That's so a there's big like one. I know. <laughs> I was honestly kind of a, shocked. And the yeah. people had to see them post a clip on Twitter and then realize that with the gameplay they were showing, the player had to have been moving the camera around freely to realize that there was a movable camera in the game. So their rollout of talking about these improvements has been strange. So even though they only highlight the inclusion of button controls and fewer tutorials, there are, there's the list is just huge in terms of all yeah. the miniature mm -hmm. adjustments and tweaks that they've made, which are tiny on the surface, but really add up to a smoother experience. I can say that 100%. even if I love the base game, this version is so much smoother and such a faster pace. Like the yeah. time that it takes to get from Skyloft to the surface is dramatically quicker. The pace is so much swifter with it. I want to say that I went back and watched some gameplay of the original Wii version to compare, you know, the time frames, right? And I saw that I was on the surface within like an hour of starting the game. And in the previous version, it took an hour and a half to two hours to finish up the Skyloft wow. section and get to the surface. So yeah. it really adds up. I, I had always heard that the start of this game is extremely slow. And... I, I to some extent I do agree with that. Like the opening is pretty slow place, especially compared to something like Ocarina of Time, something like you know any of the two D Zeldas. Like it does take a bit of time to get your sword to get you know start doing Zelda things. But it wasn't as bad as I had feared. So I so Campbell, I think I think you're I think you're correct in that in that they did remove a little bit of of cruft to get people like into the game faster. You know what I mean? And truthfully, nothing will be as bad as the beginning of Twilight Princess. I'm just saying it. You don't have to do any farming minigames. No, thank the good <laughs> lord above. You don't have to corral any cows or anything. Yeah. Um, cannot wait for this conversation to come back around when they inevitably release Twilight Princess HD Plus new Switch version. <laughs> Minus the cows. That's the best Minus way the cows. Um, to, to market it. That's Yeah, honestly, I'm all in if they take the cows out. I imagine we will return to this conversation about Skyward Sword, um, Campbell, as you as you beat the game again for the fiftieth time, and as I get through it for the first time. And who knows? Maybe Mark will will pick up a version for himself in a couple months or something. Perhaps, so I imagine we yeah. will. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay, perhaps, we'll see. Line. yeah, yeah. So we'll have this. Well, we will return to Skyward Sword talk, but in the meantime, it's it's good. It's a it's a fantastic experience, especially if you're. If you're jonesing for a Zelda game, and we, who the heck knows when Breath of the Wild 2 is going to finally release, it's uh, it's certainly worth your time to to check out this one, especially if you haven't played it before, because apparently, according to Campbell and many others, this is the superior version to play. I think that's safe to say. Uh, Campbell, you want to you want to take it home with any any 
final thoughts about your about this game? What I will say is I've already mentioned that it's a great companion to Breath of the Wild in terms of its story, but it's also in terms of its gameplay, too, because whereas Breath of the Wild focused solely on the world, yes, there were dungeons, yes, there were shrines and puzzle challenges, those were a relatively small focus of the game compared to exploring an open environment. Skyward Sword is the exact opposite in the fact that the environments it has can barely even be explored because of how linear it is. And while that's often been a complaint in the past, I think it's actually one of its strongest points because it doubles down and refines on the traditional Zelda formula that's all about solving puzzles, discovering new paths, using new items, exploring dungeons, growing as a character. It refines that to near perfection, in my view, and if you see the game as less of a exploring an overworld, going into a dungeon, and more of a continuous puzzle-solving, dungeon-exploring experience, then it's a really, really engaging companion to Breath of the Wild that makes up for the lack of robust dungeons and boss battles that you had in that game. So I definitely think that this version of the game is perfect on Switch, whether you've played the game a million times on the Wii like I did, or whether you've been scared off by all the criticism and want to see if it really, really does the job. There's so much to love about this game. Awesome. Excellent. So keep keep an ear out and an eye out for more of our thoughts on Skyward Sword. I'll probably write up a piece about, like, a newbie's experience with Skyward Sword or something like that. And obviously Campbell will have a full review out uh, as soon as possible. So keep a, keep your, keep your, stay tuned, I guess is what I'm trying to say for that kind of stuff. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with a couple of short segments for you about things that are perhaps less serious than the next big Zelda game. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. up the show with uh, something a little more lighthearted. So Nickelodeon has released a Smash-like, can we, what do we call it? We call it a Smash-like? A platform yeah, fighter. I mean, Smash yeah. cloned to a certain extent. Smash cloned. It's a platform fighter. It's a 2D fighting game, a 2D character fighting game 
where the goal is to knock a character off the edge or blast them off the side of the stage. Uh, it's called, it's called, hold on, I'm pulling it up right now, Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl, which, like, yeah, that's what it's called. Uh, an interesting roster, Nickelodeon mascot characters fighting each other. So far, it's a pretty stacked cast with some surprising omissions, so we thought it might be fun to kind of talk about the characters that are included, that aren't included, that we wish were included, that we hope are included. Uh, who wants to start us off here? I can. Please, Mark, take it away. <laughs> Okay, so I saw on the roster that right now we have Aang, Korra, and supposedly, based on a leak, we're going to get Zuko. So, if we have, if you know Avatar, the four elements, so far we have water, fire, and air. We need mm-hmm. Earth. So, mm-hmm. I think they should do Kuvira from Season 4 of The Legend of Korra. Whoa, that's a, that's a pull that I would not have expected. Over Toph? I, well, the game, here's the thing. The game needs villains, first of all, because right now we have okay. Reptar and Invader Zim. I don't know if we even count Invader Zim as a villain or right. Reptar. Well, he's, a, he's a villain against humanity, but he is certainly the protagonist of his own show. I think we show. can agree yeah. on that. Yeah. And then Reptar, I don't, I don't know the regrets territory, you know? I don't know what we're calling him <laughs> these days. Were you even, did you, okay. Oh, boy. Um... So we, okay, we should back up a little bit because so far I agree with what you're saying. We do need an earth element. We do we need an earthbender in there, but we got to back up and be like, how many of these shows did you guys actually watch when they were on? Because we've Quite got a few we've of got them. we've got all real monsters. We've got Ren and Stimpy. We've got Rugrats. Mm-hmm. We've got Wild Thornberries. You guys were not alive during those shows airing. You know what I mean? I was not alive, but yeah. I have a millennial brother who always uh, yelled at me about them, <laughs> so I know them by osmosis. Okay, so he's doing his due diligence then. I'm glad yes, to hear that. Yes, he's culturing me, yes. He's culturing you, fair enough. Um, and hey, I Arnold, the same goes for my older siblings and stuff like that. Okay, okay, I, go, I mean, thank the, God. The more I learn about 90s cartoons, the more it explains a lot about how millennials turned out, so. <laughs> I mean, I, why would anybody uh, yeah, trust correct. their... Tr- Trust our kids watching Ren and Stimpy. That stuff is horrifying. <laughs> yeah, it's okay, it's Campbell. We got Ed, Ed, and Eddie. That's we were true. On a, we're on the more destructive <laughs> scale. Very cultured. Yes. <laughs> Look, uh, that's extremely it, funny. Ed, Ed, and Eddie raised up a generation to love freeform jazz. So I think that's and the most idiots. important thing. <laughs> and idiots and jawbreakers. I have never had a jawbreaker, but. Oh my God. Um. So, looking just looking at the looking at the roster representation so far there is some stuff on here that i don't recognize i have no idea what the loud house is oh no idea i was gonna ask you guys i have to assume it's a new show it's gotta be somewhat recent right the loud house have never heard of it um danny phantom i'm familiar with but i think it was a little after my time yes Yes. grew up with that one so you guys okay so that's that's like your generation i i miss that one yeah i secretly grew up with danny phantom but i wasn't allowed to watch it because it's demonic so i always try to sneak it in so all right okay yeah, campbell who are these who are these turtle guys who, who's even ever heard of them oh my gosh so that's kind of been a staple so... of american society for 30 years 40 yeah. years even yeah to try 40 um so interesting so we have th mutant ninja turtles I am curious to see what era of turtles we're pulling from here because the turtles have been around forever. Like everybody mm-hmm. knows the turtles. Um, if you Cameron, they got are, all two of them. I think we they've got, got all, all two of them. them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's hysterical that so far they're only revealing that you got Michelangelo and Leonardo when Cries Raphael is objective. When Raphael is yeah. objectively the best turtle, I think we can all agree. Um, I don't agree, but okay. Whoa! Okay, it's okay to be wrong about Damn. stuff. It's fine. <laughs> it is okay Look, to be wrong about stuff. You need the cultured um, side of Donatello, you know? I mean, I, I always related to him. 
So he, he's my fair. spirit no, animal. We, we need April. We need April O'Neil is what we need. We got to get some. We got to get some of that representation okay, well, in here. Well, for my is that first, your first official... pick. Uh, you know what? It wasn't going to be, but it can be. Um, I'll, I'll no, say well, that. If I'll you say... have, if you have three others, let's leave them. Let's because Cameron. Yeah, I've got, I've and got Campbell, three others, but he had. So one yeah, let's, yeah, let's, yeah, let's, yeah, let's let's uh, let's go let's go one at a time. So Mark, you you're, you're saying you want Kuvira. Yes, over top because we need is... we need villains. We need an Earthbender, yeah. so she's a perfect fit. And also two all, Avatar, yeah. two Korra. Let's make Zuko his uh, season one attire. I feel like that would make sense. Oh yeah, get that get that top that top ponytail going. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, hundred percent. That's a great pick. Um, Campbell, do you want to go next? Or do you want me to go? I want to go next to continue on the TMNT side of things. Sure. We need the Shredder. Got a good this. Shredder. But not just any Shredder. We need him in that weird, edgy, early 2000s version of him, where he was this giant demon. We need that version of him. Do, in we, this. do we need that version yes, of him? Yes, we do. We need the edge in here, okay? There's over, not enough demonic energy going on over in this the game. Over the 90s version, where he looks like a cool, spiky samurai? Okay, well, what about this? What if you have both of them? Okay, handle it like Echo Fighters in Smash. You have the '90s version, and you have the weird 2000s version. So, is it mm-hmm. is it Echo Fighters, or is it just costume swaps? Uh, to continue with Smash cloning, let's just say it's Echo Fighters for now. Fair enough. Okay, and then we yeah, can have I'll... the Michael Bay version. Oh, perfect. <laughs> This is great. Your console yeah, just explodes many, as soon as you start playing. The many sides <laughs> of Shredder. I'm 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 on board with that. Um, I was going to say we, we got to get some Rocco's Modern Life in there, but uh, and I'm not trying to steal your pull here, uh, Mark. But I was gonna say Heifer for for for. Oh, Rocco's I wasn't Modern even gonna Life. say Heifer. I thought you were gonna oh, okay. say Rocco. Yeah. Hmm. I was gonna say Heifer because uh, the interesting thing about this roster for this Nickelodeon fighting game is that there's not a lot of main characters. Like, it's so far, it's like half main characters, half, like, side characters. Like, you don't get... We're not getting Tommy from Rugrats. We're getting Reptar, which is kind of a deep cut. Who can forget um, Reptar? Certainly not me. Yeah. <laughs> it was me. Um, same, same, with, same with Ren and Stimpy. We're not getting Ren and Stimpy. We're getting Powdered Toast Man. I mean, obviously, they're going to reveal more fighters, I'm sure. Like, I wouldn't be shocked at that. So, so my thought of this was like, okay, rather than Rocco from Rocco of his Modern Life, let's get Heifer. Let's get his, his sidekick, you know? Do you know who I was going to say? Please. This is my number two pick. I was going to say Spunky, the dog. Oh. <laughs> I, I don't even have an image in my head for Spunky, the dog. But, like, great. More power to him. Let's get Spunky in there. Is that Rocco's dog? Yeah. I don't even remember that. That's really funny. Oh, really? No, he's one of the main characters. He's always there. I don't remember. I, I Here's the thing. Like, Rocco's Modern Life was so upsetting, so disturbing, so strange <laughs> that I, I've blocked out a lot of it, to be honest. Like, I remember watching that show a lot when I was a kid. Don't remember any specifics. You know what I mean? My, my brother and I used to watch episodes so late at night. When mm-hmm. no one else was awake, and I will always remember the the free sample freeloaders episode, where Heifer keeps changing costumes to get the free samples. <laughs> yeah, Classic. that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, it's a it, it was a weird freaking show, you guys. If you, if if anybody listening to this is younger than than Campbell and Mark, I recommend you go check out a couple episodes of Rocco's Modern Life because it is truly insane. Um, as Campbell alluded to earlier, it's un unfathomable that this was a kid's show. Um, anywho, uh, we'll, we'll do the snake. So I'll, I'll go next, Campbell, and then we'll, we'll go to you. So, so my next pick, going ki- kind of in line with with what Mark was saying, I want to see Gaz 
or Dib from Invader Zim. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zim's, you know, arch rival Dib would be fantastic. He would obviously have kind of counterattacks to, to, to presumably Zim will have lots of like mechs to, to ride in and like lasers to shoot and stuff like that. So so Dib could have similar kind of technology. Like I think it'd be cool to see kind of the hapless Dib get his get his uh you know get his time to shine. Gaz would also be good just because she's so no nonsense, like doesn't put up with, with Zim at all. She could just show up and just be like like a total melee fighter, just like punching people in the face. In the show she does a lot of like martial arts kind of stuff, so maybe we'll get some of that in here. So I don't know. I'd love to see more more Zim representation. is always welcome in my mind. So you know, I, I would take anybody, to be honest. From you know, g- give give me give me Gur, give me Gaz, give me anybody at all. Like I, I'd love to see it. Uh, I freaking love that show, you guys. Um, nice. Campbell, you, what's your what's your next pick here? Okay, so we need more Jimmy Neutron in the world. That's just a fact oh, of life. Okay. But we don't need Jimmy Neutron himself in the game. We need a side character. That's why we yeah. need Bulby in the game. The weird foreign exchange student who was strangely enough voiced by the same voice actor as Samurai Jack needs to be in the game. <laughs> and Wow. Yeah. He could have a ridiculous moveset, something involving snot, perhaps. Something bizarre, some sort of weird inventions. I don't know what, but he. we just need this creepy child in this video game. That's that's what I want. Incredible, do you, do you yeah. even remember? Do any of you remember Bulby? No. no. Wow. <laughs> no, Jimmy, Jimmy Neutron was a little after my time. I mean, I can understand that, but man. Yeah. I, I, watch, I watch a lot of Jimmy Neutron growing up, and Bulby always weirded me out, which was the whole point. But you gotta watch like so, some compilations of best Bulby moments on YouTube. It's just, it's, he, he was so strange, and that's why he should be in the game alongside Butter, Toast, whatever. You know, these weird side <laughs> characters. We need to keep that going. Yeah, I love that. Oh, that's really funny. So, we'll stick back to me, and then Mark, we'll, we'll go back to you. So, <laughs> Here's my final pick. I was going to choose something different, but actually this is way better. Uh, we got to get Blue from Blue's Clues. Is that even Nickelodeon? Wait, does that, does that count? That's not a cartoon. Uh, why, why wouldn't it count? It's, it's totally a Nickelodeon show. I mean, it's like a kid's kid's show. Mm-hmm. But it's still but Nickelodeon. It's still Nickelodeon, I no right? Am, am, I, Nickelodeon. am I crazy? I, don't, I, don't think, I think Blue's Clues counts. I mean, it's like Nick it's, Jr. If it's Nickelodeon, it counts. <laughs> and it's technically yeah, still some... ongoing, and it honestly, it crushed my soul to watch a clip of the modern Blue's Clues and see that they had a song about, we just got an email, which just... Oh, that's funny. It disturbed me, because growing up, it was, <laughs> we got a letter, and I never felt so old in my life seeing this this new, new Blue's Clues talking about, we got an email, and talking about social media. It's just like, what? What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean now now you now you know how I feel every time I talk to you guys. Um, so it's a so yeah, I mean, I, listen, I don't know if it counts, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to it. I want Blue from Blue's Clues to be like just completely overpowered and just wrecking everybody. That's what I want. Perfect. Um, hopefully that will happen. Uh, Mark, what about you? Uh, I had two more on my list, just in case I had a bonus. Throw pick. them out there. Throw but, them out uh, there. Why not? My, I'll, I'll say that my original final one was the Penguins of Madagascar. Is that Nickelodeon? Yes, the TV show is. Oh, the TV show is Nickelodeon. You're totally yes. right. Yes, and it's yes, been yes, on yes, there yes, for like a, a long time, I think. But I thought that'd be funny to have like, I don't even know which one you would choose. I'd say the one that's like deranged with the explosives. No, well, here's awesome. what you gotta Get do. You gotta make it. Like, you gotta no, make it ice. Kowalski. 
Which one yeah, Kowalski was it? would be perfect. I don't remember <laughs> that other one. But you gotta handle it like the ice climbers, though, where it's multiple characters he all controls oh, once. Or like, yeah. or like do that too. Oh yeah, yeah, that that would work too. Where you have like the one, the one kind of leader penguin, and he's commanding his other ones. That would be cool. That's a great pick. Uh, that's a great pick. Uh, Campbell, do you, do you got one more to wrap? Have we all done three, or Campbell, you still have a third one? I have a third one to do. And so for this one, I want the Crimson Chin from Fairly Odd Parents. <laughs> Hell yeah. Just think about it. It, it would be a perfect compliment, I especially... I think of that. I know, but you think about it, and it makes so much sense. There's more superheroes in this game. There's a weird theme of there being superheroes from these shows showing up in it. And the Crimson Chin would be a perfect fit for that. Just imagine, like, his equivalent of a down smash with him smashing his chin into you or something like that. It would just be brilliant. Yeah, I'm I'm very on board with that. I, I, I'm so curious to see if this game takes off, like... Like this, this kind of game, not not even platform fighters, but like like themed fighting games. They were a bigger deal, I feel like, in the in the '90s and early 2000s. There, there's like, you guys might not know this. There is a Looney Tunes fighting game for the N64 that was kind of like a 3D fighter. That game was crazy. Um, I did not know this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, there's like. There's a couple of these random fighting games. That were, like, obviously, you got your PlayStation. What is it called? PlayStation All Stars. Yeah, PlayStation like, All Stars. Let's not yeah, remember. Like that. Already like, bad sign. These share the same title. I know, but this ooh, also yeah. shares a title with Super Smash Brothers Brawl. There's so Brawl. maybe that evens yeah. it out. I think it evens <laughs> it out. Yeah. So so I don't know. I, I hope it does well. Like at the very least, I'm sure it'll be fun. Like it's always great to see. Like the the beauty of Super Smash Brothers is seeing characters execute moves from their games in a completely new setting. So hopefully seeing, you know, Invader Zim hop into a friggin' spaceship and nuke everybody, like, I would love to see that. So I don't know. I think it'll be a fun time. Hopefully it does as well as, as we can as we can hope, you know? Anything else we want to say about this Nickelodeon All-Stars brawl, or do we want to kind of wrap it up? All I hope I, for... Uh, I'll let you go first, Campbell. All I want to see is for this game to become a staple of the fighting game community more yes. than Smash Brothers Ultimate. <laughs> oh my god. What if this game comes out and it has like amazing online infrastructure and like a surprisingly deep metagame, you know what I mean? Just shoots to the top, overtakes Tekken, overtakes Street Fighter, like becomes the next big thing. That would just be <laughs> so beautiful. Oh god, I can't. I would get getting commentators to be like, "Oh dang, he's 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 uh he's transitioning into the the guy from the Loud House. Like, what what's gonna happen next? Like, oh, that's a good matchup. Like, I... like imagine just being like, can't even oh imagine. my gosh, there's <laughs> but where are those powdered toast man mains? Like, just it'd be perfect. <laughs> yeah, I want to see what the meta chooses as the is the is the top tier fighter. I want to see the tier list of of Nickelodeon All Stars Brawl. Uh, Mark, it also needs good say? stages. Yeah, this game yes, needs good stages. Yeah, and my pitch for one of them is they should have from season two of Avatar when they go to the uh, the WWE type bending match with the Earthbenders, and they should just have a match where it's just like Sokka screaming in the background. Please to rise for Fire Nation national anthem. Fire Lord, my flame burns for thee. Go back to the Fire Nation! Yeah, I want to see that. This this game will be a hit. Obviously, we'll talk about it when it comes to Switch. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it doesn't get delayed or anything like that. Um, we should probably wrap the show. We've been going for a long time. 
we did want to dunk on the Super Nintendo games that were re- recently revealed for NES Online, but we can save that for another time because, frankly, I don't think they're really <laughs> worth talking about. Um, Shin Megami Tensei? We don't, we don't want that. We don't right? want that. We don't want that. <laughs> Build hype for the upcoming Shin Megami Tensei Five by putting the first game on Nintendo Switch Online? No, we're not going to do that for free. Absolutely not. I saw uh, the comment that with Switch Online, Nintendo was really simulating the everything is taken at, at Blockbuster feeling. Which, honestly, <laughs> oh, that's having funny. grown up stalking my local Blockbuster for Wii games and only getting like licensed Spongebob games, yeah, I can feel that. This is exactly taking me back to those traumatic memories. That's extremely funny. So, all that to say, um, we should probably wrap it up here. Uh, I've been your host, Cameron Daxon. Thank you so much for listening. You can find some of my writing over on Goombastomp.com. My most recent thing I wrote was a review for a game called Where the Heart Leads, a PlayStation exclusive, a very fun and beautiful game. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter. I'm at Action Daxon to see pictures of my cats and occasionally tweet about video games. Uh, Mark, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at the Mark Allen. That, of course, is Mark with the C and Cal with the K. And you can find all my writing on GoomaStomp.com. I currently have up a retrospective for 20 years of Mario Kart Super Circuit. I got that one up. And then I finally completed a list of ranking every single episode there is of The Legend of Korra, all 52, in a two-split article. So I got that. And then, of course, Monster Hunter Stories review. Lots of stuff from Mark. Uh, Campbell, what about you? You can find all my games writing at GoombaStop.com, and I have a written review of Skyward Sword coming out in the very near future, hopefully not too long from when this show goes live, and I also have an indie game spotlight going up this weekend, so stay tuned for both of those, and if you want to follow me on social media, you can find me on Twitter at CampbellSGill, uppercase CSG, and if for some reason you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, you can find me there at CampbellGill. What a, that was like textbook outro. That was extremely good. I, I've been rehearsing, <laughs> clearly. Yeah, that's good. I was like, we just, we just banged that off. It was incredible. Um, and Express is also on Twitter. We are at Express Nintendo. We are on YouTube as well, if you prefer to listen to your podcast on YouTube. And, of course, we are on the podcast platform of your choice, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all Podbean, all those things. Yeah, rate and review us. Probably good for engagement. Always helps us get more listeners, and that kind of stuff is great. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. 